Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is episode 37 with Ani Alexander. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. I really, really love this interview because it was so educational. Ani is is a remarkable teacher in the sense that she she's willing to share what it's like to live in Armenia. I, I mean, I had no idea what that was like, and she so eloquently detailed some of the nuances uh, growing up there and what it was like when the USSR was still there, and some of the cultural differences and the way things have evolved since then. She also dived into, uh, dove rather. She also dove into the different ways you can use your literary skills. Uh, she is a best-selling author, after all, and um, you know she was just being awesome. So, please listen and leave feedback. Take a look at the show notes at the website, and just uh, let me know what your thoughts are on Twitter or on my blog. Talk to you soon. Today, I have with me the lovely Ani Alexander. She's a best-selling author, all-around storyteller, podcaster, and coach. Welcome to the show, Ani. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, I did a little dive into your your uh, background. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and... Um, how we're talking from Armenia. You're in Armenia, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Armenia, I'm yes. in Armenia. Well, I was born in Armenia and I lived here until I was 11 years old. Oh. After that, uh, my my father had a business contract uh, and worked abroad. So we traveled quite a lot. And then my mother got jobs abroad. So we traveled quite a lot as well. <laughs> and it, it, I ended up living abroad from when I was 11 until when I graduated university at 20. So uh, when I was 20, after uh, you know 10 years of 
living abroad and in different countries, I came back to Armenia and uh, that's where I live since then. Um, so it's it's been quite uh, a long journey. So I, I studied in different schools in different countries. I studied at the university abroad as well. And then when I came back to Armenia, I started my corporate career here. And I, I also had many changes there too. So I, I worked in different spheres, uh, starting from banking to telecom to marketing and uh, different development projects so uh, but mainly i worked for international companies so uh, I'm, i was still involved in <laughs> in the different cultures and uh, different countries at work as well uh, so basically that's it uh, just a few years ago um, i left the corporate job because i wasn't really satisfied with that i realized that it was not for me so I decided to take the re I also realized that you know I'm in in that age that you know I have if I don't make it now I won't make it later on so I decided to take this risky step and and get away and um, try to follow my passion and my dreams and do something meaningful so I left the corporate I wrote books uh, now I'm working with newbie authors you know basically I'm, I'm doing what I really like doing right now uh, there's no better time than now right yeah <laughs> so, so you t you were talking about how you grew up in different countries can you talk about the different countries you grew up in and also what specifically your parents did that led them to travel around so much well, uh, my father is an engineer, so he worked in the optical and electronical spheres and they were doing uh, different um, chips for different equipment, let's say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact details, but so that that's what he did. <laughs> and, and my mother is a diplomat, so she worked in embassies. And, you wow. know, uh, so wow. the, the first half of the travel was related to my father's contracts and the second half of the travel was related to my mom's missions. And um, so that's how it started. I, I left Armenia when I was 11 years old. Uh, we went to leave to Bulgaria and I went there to high school uh, well it was quite um, difficult because I didn't know the language and uh, after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the Soviet system uh, my, the, my generation didn't speak Russian either so we didn't really have a common language to share mm. Which was bad, but at the same time, very good because it forced me to learn the language very fast <laughs> because I just had to. Yeah. Um, so um, after that, uh, when I graduated from high school uh, there, um, well, in between that, actually, we also lived for a while in the Czech Republic. And there I went to school also for uh, for about half a year. Uh, so um, it was like a period of three years approximately when we were like in Bulgaria and in Czech Republic. And after that, I lived for about a year in Moscow, Russia. Mm. 
And after Russia, we left for Belgium and we lived in Brussels. Um, I lived there with my family for about three years. And then my family was back to Armenia and I stayed there alone for two more years because I was studying at the university. So I stayed there until I graduated. So it's, it's been a nice ride, uh, challenging, but nice. Um, it changed me a lot. <laughs> mm. And I think that, you know, um, there is really a big influence in everything uh, we did during those years because uh, the way I am now, I think it's mostly uh, because of uh, all these different cultures and because I had to adjust to so many things. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, can you tell me about that change you experienced? You know, how did you connect in these different cultures? I, I know USSR, um, you know, is no longer there, but, you know, it broke up during that period. So you have to learn different languages. So, well, actually, we we always have to learn different languages because Armenians, I mean, no one speaks Armenian besides Armenians. So you do have, if you want to communicate with other people, you do have to learn other languages. And what we do over here, we all study Russian and we mostly, most of us study English. And I went to a special English school where we studied all these three languages simultaneously from year one. Uh, so by the time I left Armenia, I already knew three languages. Okay, so you knew English, Armenian, and, and Russian, and Russian, and then you went to you know you traveled uh, to all these. Countries. I went to yeah, I went to Bulgaria. I I studied Bulgarian, and eventually, since I was there, like you know, among Bulgarians and uh, studying in Bulgarian school, I ended up knowing Bulgarian as well as I know my native tongue right now. Talented, uh, so. <laughs> talented. That's skilled. Uh, okay, well then, how did you make friends? Because I, I I can't imagine it was um, as easy as that. Well, you know, in the beginning, like the very first days, uh, it was uh, quite difficult because I already had friends here in Armenia and you leave and you end up being in a completely different place and, you know, uh, children where you didn't know anyone first uh, and uh, they were quite different, I have to admit, you know, it's not like, you know, children everywhere are just the same no it, it's not like that because the uh, the way they grew up was different so as a result they were you know not different, like yeah. us as well um so the first weeks were quite challenging because i didn't even understand the language so you ended up having people uh, having the feeling that people speak about you but you had no idea what they talk <laughs> yeah so, um, uh, but what I did later on when I was already understanding, I didn't tell immediately that, you know, I already understand your language. So it was very, very fun to, you know, to be around and to listen what they tell about you because those were the times you genuinely <laughs> knew what people thought about you. Yeah, no, no, you're completely right. Um, I do that with my tribal language because we, we speak English and uh Nigeria, but there are many, many, many different tribes. And I'm not fluent in my tribal language. I'm actually not close to fluent, but I understand a few words and I often play dumb when when I'm around my uh, family members because they always think that, oh, this kid doesn't understand anything. And then you can hear what they're saying. And then it's yeah. like, oh, okay, that's what you really think. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's the fun part of it. And you know, once you know what they really think, you already 
can you know uh, get the picture of who you know who who thinks what about you exactly. and then you you select the ones who who genuinely like you yeah. and don't really mingle with the ones who don't because it's like you know it's senseless to to, <laughs> to have relationship with people who <laughs> who are not really interested no exactly i, I think it's true as well so can you tell me what you've learned what you learned from your period you said you learned a lot it shaped who you are or part of who you are and for me it well, shaped for, who i am yeah well first of all i learned that you know people are not the same so they are different mm-hmm. and and cultures are different also and what i learned is that it's not a bad thing actually it's not it, just because the other nation is different from yours it doesn't mean that it's worse or better it's exactly. just different so that was the first realization a uh, second realization uh, which was a bit more difficult was that it's uh, you know you don't really yes it's it's easy uh, easier to kind of change yourself and become like the others in order to adapt faster but it's okay to stay different as well so you kind of what I ended up doing was of course I had my national um, upbringing and national values and things like that so I was shaped kind of based on how I was raised but I started kind of questioning myself whether Mm. it was really something that was okay with me with the way I I personally think and at the end and also I ended up you know um, taking some things from other nations which I liked myself personally so as a result I ended up becoming truly cosmopolitan because uh, I I became a mixture so I'm not really I don't feel like I'm representing any specific nationality because I'm not I'm not typical Armenian anymore because of the experience I went through. Uh, so I'm a bit different because I lived in different places and they influenced me you know, a bit more or a bit less. It doesn't matter, but, you know, it shaped me as a bit different person, especially because of the age I was there at. Yeah. So it was like from 11 to 20. It's like the, the vital years were the personality is shaped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, and... As a result, I became like a mixture of of different cultures mainly. And as a result, which is not exactly the best thing, but that's what happened and that's the way it is, you end up not really being... someone from from them so you know i'm not you know bulgarians know that i'm not bulgarian i'm mm-hmm. not one of them armenians know that i'm you know i'm i'm armenian but i'm not exactly like the the right Armen- typical armenian typical person armenian, so i'm yeah. not really uh, part of exactly part of identical armenian like them and i'm not like anywhere so anywhere i everywhere i go no matter yeah. whether i come back to countries i lived in later uh, after that uh if i go back to those those countries everywhere i go it's not like you are just you know part identical part of that group so you end up being like partly an outsider because you're a bit of everything uh, but at the same time, um, it's it's fine because, as I said, it's fine to be different. So it's not really a major issue because no one really uh, cares that much about the small differences. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wish you could see me right now because I'm chuckling because I, you know, I also am a diplomatic kid and I moved. 
I had a my first move was when I was younger. I was like two or one rather, but I was too young to remember. But then the real, real uh, time that I started moving a lot was when I was ten and you were eleven. So it's yeah. it's similar. And then you were talking about the difference. It just so happens that you know that my I don't know I if I told you earlier, but my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference, and it's all about embracing that that different part of our about ourselves yes we're all part of the human race but um we're all unique in our own ways and um, i'm always trying to highlight the different aspects of different people and how they can use that to make a difference so ani you since you're so lovely uh, um you eloquent eloquently talked about how different you were and how okay was how is it that you use your difference to make a difference well, um, what I'm doing mostly, well, I'm working now with writers mainly. And what writers are, uh, they are creative people who are storytellers, who yes. are make, telling stories. And each story is unique. So what I'm trying to make them believe is, of course, there is a commercial value in what they write. Of course, there are genres which are sold better. Of course, there are many creative courses which teach you how to write and what's the way to craft a novel and things like that. Right. But, but I also tell that, you know, don't really get too drifted with those things because you have your unique way and you know it best. So being different in this case is an asset because if everyone wrote exactly the same way they are taught to write, we will end up reading the same books uh, over and over again. So this difference is something they have to use. They have to have their unique writing style. Uh, they have, I mean, basically what I believe is you, you have to know a good grammar and you have to spell well. The rest is up to you. So yeah. it's, good, it's good to know the rules, but yes. you can break them. You, you can break them and you just, you know, you, you have to kind of, you know, illustrate and show that difference of yours because that's what's going to differentiate you from the others. And most probably readers will like that part of you. Exactly. So you're using your difference to make a difference by showing others how they can find their voice through writing. Yes. Um, it's, it's good. I, you know, um, I don't know if this is common. I've always written, um, you know, ever since I started off with poetry uh, when I was in middle school, high school, and then it sort of graduated to blogging. And then when I figured out this, you know, this third culture kid is essentially what we are when people spend the formative periods of their years outside of the parents' cultures. Um, once I figured out that, that word, I started, I don't know if maybe you can tell me if this is common or not. I had all these influx of ideas. So I, I wrote three books in a span of uh, four months. So mm -hmm. I started in July, but I had never really experienced that influx of creativity before. And, you know, before I, you know, I do a weekly blog, so I write every, almost every day. But the idea where I started to write 90 page books, it, it was, it was, I don't know, it was just insane. It was like I had this creativity. I needed to just write, 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 write. And it was like an outlet and I was expressing my personality and a lot of the, the themes of the book were things that I could relate to. So it seemed like I had an in like constant inflow of ideas and I, of where the direction could go to. And I, I, die, I dove into uh, fiction writing for the first time. And that was – it's very, I was very weird for me to write from that because I always <laughs> did nonfiction. 
and what was always weird was the he said she said part but coming <laughs> up, yeah but coming up with the themes i just said you know i'm going to use a unique style and just well, write my person <laughs> right well you my, know yeah. uh, many many writers would kill for that because i mean many writers have just the opposite problem because they they have different writers jobs they start writing but then they think it's not good enough and they stop like in the middle or they go back and start to edit the text or yeah. you know uh, and uh, they uh, you know they they don't really forget everything and write just for themselves so there are really really many barriers that keep them from getting into the stage you were at. So it's it's really it's it's not common. Uh, many people would like to get there, but they have different things which come on their way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when it comes, you just have to to get the wave and try to keep it for as long as possible. Yeah, you know, you said many writers are killed for that. I still don't know if my stuff is good enough because I've never written fiction before until now and have you know a mini uh trilogy going on but to me i'm not sure if it's good enough i, I it's like uh i've never written fiction maybe no one's gonna read this but well it's you know the first drafts are never perfect right. even even like the best writers can't write a perfect first draft so mm -hmm. that's something that people have to understand if you're writing your first draft it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to make it perfect you mm -hmm. just have to finish it so it's just the issue of putting words on paper or on on the key, you know, typing it on the keyboard, and doing it until the end. So that's the thing. Later on, you will self-edit it. Later on, you will have an editor who will work with the text. Later on, you can fine-tune things. But the issue, the biggest issue is that, you know, if you start thinking if it's good enough or not, or if it's, you know, rightly written or not, you may end up not finishing it at all. And you need your draft to work on it later on. Yeah. See? Sage advice, Omani. Uh, finish, finish. Finish, finish what you start, <laughs> and then um, you can worry about the other things. So, you you mentioned that you're you know you're an author. Yeah, I know your pen name is Ani Alexander, but why don't you just uh, tell the audience what your 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 last name is? Well, actually, Alexander is my father's name. So uh -huh. what I did is I just, you know, I didn't change my name. Mm -hmm. I just took away the surname. So uh, in English, I mean, not in English, but just like that. Uh, my real full name is Ani Alexander Chibukchan. And, um, well, it's, you know, the surname is difficult to pronounce, uh -huh. difficult to remember. It's quite, you know, um, different Right. And it's not very uh, easy to f for foreigners to absorb. Right. Uh, so I thought that eventually one day when I become a famous writer or famous whatever, and people end up talking about me and telling you know have you read you know have you read the book of Ani Chibukchan? Mm -hmm. I don't think they will first of all remember the name, right? And second, they can pronounce it right. So I, I would end up you know listening the different very variations of wrong pronunciation of my surname so what i decided and i didn't really want to take a pen name in a sense that to take a completely different and foreign name for me which i don't associate with right. so i thought about it quite a long time i couldn't come up with anything creative or think that i would like or would kind of feel comfortable with 
Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So I just decided that what I will do is I will just take out the surname. It will not be a big change for me. I, I'm still comfortable because, okay, it's it's just part of my real name, full name. Mm-hmm. And that was the solution I found for that stage. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I mean, even now that I, my full name is Akintayo Aviola Broxen, but um, Tayo is short for Akintayo, and people still say Tayo all the time. I mean, <laughs> so uh-huh. my, my name is often mispronounced all the time. But um, I, I found that I, you know, I love my name, and my full first name Akintayo means the brave one or warriors brought us joy. So uh-huh. you know, it's it's a really really nice name, but people never know how to pronounce it so i i took you know like a shorter version tayo which is like andy for andrew um just so people could actually yeah relate to it more so but um i, I could definitely relate to you at, at that <laughs> point it's uh so it's always unique when people and it's always weird when someone pronounces your name uh mispronounces your name after you've corrected them and you never know if you should just let them say it like okay just, well, it's just you know. Yeah. I mean, you 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 know different languages, and you know this thing that there are a lot of languages which don't have some of the um, uh, sounds, sounds you have yeah. in your. So even if they try hard, there are some some things they just can't pronounce yeah. it right. It's you not just, like they don't want to, but they just can't. You just let them go. In middle school, I used to go by Roxin, my last name, because it was so much easier. Uh, but then I just said, you know what? I'm going to make you guys <laughs> say at least one part of my first day. But uh, all right, so that that that's. Um, that's, that's cool. The, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was what living in Armenia is like. I live in New York City, and I, I that was a very intentional move, uh, just because I, I I love being around different cultures and I love stepping outside and hearing someone speaking French and then another person speaking Spanish and uh, someone arguing in Italian. But <laughs> what is living uh, well, in Armenia like? Living in Armenia is just the opposite of living in New York. Because you will only, I mean, most probably, uh, you will only hear Armenian Mm -hmm. because 98% of Armenian's population are Armenians. So you won't really see different cultures apart from the tourists. Okay. And uh, maybe a bit of the international companies who have expats working here, but not much. And um, it's um, let's say it's it's very safe to live in Armenia. You can you know walk in the streets quite freely. You can walk in the streets even late evenings. Nothing will happen to you. It's very safe. It's uh, it's very um, nice climate generally. So it's you know uh, we we have 
uh, all the four seasons. Yeah, so you will have the snow, you will have the hot summer, you, you, you get a bit of everything. And um, it's, uh, well, it's, it's, I think, compared to New York and other big cities, I've never been to New York, but, you know, uh, I've been to Moscow, which is quite hectic and big city as well. Mm. It's, it's quite, uh, it's, it's very um, quiet in, for living, let's say, because the, the speed is not so high, because the city itself is not very big. So you can go like the, the downtown part, you can walk it absolutely all, all of it. Uh, so you may, if you are living in the center, you might not even need a car because you have everything in a walking distance. And um, so basically, it's 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 a less hectic city and it's we also have kept the family values so our family values are very strong and families spend lots of time together and usually children uh, live uh, with parents before they marry and even when they do, if, if they have some issues with, with buying a new house or something, they even live with two families in one house. So it's, you know, children are really connected to their parents, to their mm. grandparents. And it's, it's one of the things which have uh, been kept from the old times, which I like. Because I think in, in more civilized places, it, you get this problem of you know not seeing enough of your family and especially if your kids are a bit older than you you kind of lose the connection and the quality relationship with them so in that sense living in armenia is is uh, better from that part from that point of view uh, but at the same time um we still have this soviet mentality heritage which is changing quite a lot, but it's still there. It's not gone, uh, especially with the older generation. Okay. And um, and that's why uh, we still depend, uh, most of us, well, I'm generalizing, of course, but most of the people depend on society opinion. And society opinion also is, uh, you know, uh, is quite strong and uh, not very flexible. So you end up with different things which are good or bad. And you, you might, I mean, you, you need to have a really strong personality to oppose to that. That. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? The Soviet mentality. Uh, well, the Soviet mentality—it's—it's it's, as I said, it's changed a lot. But when when I was back at school and it was Soviet times, for example, um, you ended up um, being taught everything. So you were taught what to, what to think about different things. Mm -hmm. You were taught uh, how to behave. And uh, so uh, you, you had like this firm, uh, already predefined structure you were following. So you ended up even let, let's say this, I mean, since I'm about writing, let's say this, you, we had liter literature classes. So we had uh, Armenian literature class, we had uh, Russian literature class in, in Russian. And what we were getting was we, we were covering different books, let's say. So we had in program, uh, each class uh, had in program different books that they had to read and cover during that year. 
So, for example, you you end up reading one book, and what you do is later on the teacher calls you to the desk and you start telling, you know, like something like analysis of the book, or you know, she she asks you to elaborate on the character and things like that. But how do you do that? You don't tell your opinion because you in the textbook you have already the elaboration and the analysis which you have to study. So you end up yeah. even so even in literature you end up just you know studying what you are supposed to think, and there were many many books which were forbidden because they did not really go along with the Soviet um, um, Soviet um, ideology. Right. And uh, so you ended up yeah, just, you know, th- what they were doing is they were growing uh, people who were identical and the individual part and the personality part was suppressed. Creativity was suppressed too because you ended up, we, we had a really great, amazing educational system and we started really, we had the high quality education in terms of both languages and especially the um, science scientific um, subjects like physics mathematics etc so those were really really great but at the same time the creative things in in children they were suppressed because if you are taught exactly what you're supposed to do and how then your creativity periodically starts you know to decrease and decrease and at the end you end up not having a creativity and also the the art and the artists uh, were not really like appreciated too much so very often if a child was said I want to become a painter then the parents were saying yeah but for, how are you going to leave uh, what are you going to live on you know because painters don't make money so you ended up having uh, all those we had lots of scientists very very famous scientists we had lots of mathematicians and things like that but the people who were good at arts uh, were exceptional hmm. uh, thank you for that so much I was asking because uh, I had a feeling it had to do with some of the communist regime because I grew up in Nigeria I don't know if you're familiar with this but there was a period of time when Nigeria was, under, was run by military Mm-hmm. dictatorship um yeah. and it was very interesting to see how the the you know the country and the mentality i mean it still hasn't necessarily changed as much it's just maybe some, some would say um different masks uh same government but um it's, well no here it's cha- i have to be honest here it's changing it, it has changed a lot and uh what what made the change because later i mean you couldn't just you know stop that anymore was before we were getting uh, censored information so yep, we didn't censored. know Exactly. So we didn't know anything about what's happening abroad. And we just knew the things which we were told that, you know, the capitalism is a bad thing, that all these European countries are decaying and we're, yeah. you know, we're much better, etc. Et so you don't really get the real picture. We didn't know anything. And uh, we just, you know, we couldn't get a source. There was no source of information because if you were caught uh, of listening to a foreign radio, which you somehow managed to catch the wave of, uh, yeah, it was quite risky. You would be punished for that. Exactly. So, so what was the problem? Was well, maybe some people say ignorance is bliss, and maybe we were happy because we 
didn't compare ourselves to others and we did, had no idea how others live and the way we lived was quite safe because it, it Soviet regime had a good things too I have to be honest about this it's not something I, I I I don't I didn't like it at all and I'm really happy that it's gone but 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 for for example uh, had everyone had free education, everyone had free medical service, and everyone had a job after graduating the university, and everyone was provided a free house. So, you know, you ended up being somehow safe. And we didn't have homeless people, we didn't have real poverty, everyone was uh, equally, um, well, not poor, but, you know, no one was rich, let's say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, that is why many, many people had difficulties uh, when the regime changed, because you had to adapt, you had to hustle, you know, to, things were different, you, d you didn't have that security anymore. And, you know, and many people had really, real big problems adapting to that. I really appreciate the the knowledge and it's um you know when we started coming out of our dictatorship um a lot of the reporters that we had we because a lot of them went to exile because they were you know you weren't allowed to voice out your opinion as much uh in the early 90s in Nigeria so they would write about the government from abroad but you were saying you know that censorship we had a lot of that censorship too so I, um it's funny how as the government starts to change, um, freedom of speech starts to come out more and more exposure to Western or any other thing, um, any other form of media starts to come out. So, um, I'm, you know, it's interesting how the progression goes like that. With the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So you gave, definitely gave, you gave us more than enough uh, <laughs> knowledge about how to live in Armenia. So I really appreciate that because that's one thing I try to do with the show, try to educate the people around the world about other places so well you know in armenia now you are in this very interesting stage when you are in transition uh and uh because uh, we have very strong armenian cultural mentality and armenian culture because we we are one of the most ancient cultures in the world and uh and the thing is that now uh, the youth is becoming more modern and, you know, it's it's starting adopting the other mentality as well. So we're into this, you know, transitional period where things are changing and the older generation is you know, not really happy about that. Uh -huh. But the younger one is very very fast adapting things which they think they they want and need so it's it's becoming like it's i think this is the period of concentrating change yeah. and it's very interesting to observe because things change every year and you can see it in in people's lifestyle you can see it in in what is on tv and you know things are changing a lot so you're just in the middle of these changes well if it's not too personal how are you raising your kids and with this change well, I have one son and he's 10 years old and, uh, well, since I, I already was changed by the time he was born, yeah. uh, I don't think he's, uh, well, I'm trying to encourage his, uh, individuality. Okay. So, and I'm trying, well, I don't know if it, uh, you know, I do it very well or not, but I'm trying to understand what his desires and his thoughts are and then build, build on that. 
or when I'm when I'm just you know telling him about things, I'm always want him to know that there are always other different options and there is always a choice. So what I do is I of course I show him uh, what I think is right, but at the same time I just always tell him that you know when people tell you something, just you know think it over and don't take it just that as as it is because there is always a choice of making a different decision. And that's why you won Parent of the Year in Armenia. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, okay. Um, we're coming to the tail end here. Can you talk to us about your work uh, at Annie Alexander, AnnieAlexander dot com? Why you're so passionate about it? Where people can find you, um, and what you hope to achieve with your well, AnnieAlexander.com is my website, which has mostly uh, def- uh, my podcast featured on that. So you, you you have the archive episodes and you can listen to, to everything I've done so far. My podcast is not, uh, you know, old. It's just two months old. I recently launched it um, and it covers uh, mostly it, its mission is to encourage and inspire writers and well, mainly newbie writers because those are the ones who need it most but I'm also interviewing people who are in self-publishing and you know we follow their journey of how they started they share tips and tricks of you know how to sell more books and how to start things over and what worked for them what didn't so it basically uh, it's something that um, writers will need to know when they just start so they don't really make the same mistake as we did in the beginning or they immediately get the tips that can work and they can you know use them for their books so um, it also features different musings thoughts and um, some of my books there Uh, but the main focus is on the writers so this website just tries to provide value and information for writers just all in one place because when I was just starting I learned everything from scratch and I spent too much time surfing the internet and looking at different things and resources and things like that so here what I'm trying with this podcast is to provide them all the information they need for the beginning. And I'm also researching different tools and service providers who can help out. And, you know, if I try it myself and I'm satisfied, I share it with the writers so they just know that, you know, it's not because, uh, you know, you can end up uh, meeting different companies, which, uh, I mean, I, I was offered by a company to be published, which is being sued now. And the amounts they were asking for were huge. Mm-hmm. And what uh, there are many companies which are kind of, you know, using this emotional thing for the writers and their dream of seeing their book uh, published. And they just explode that in, in a negative way. So I'm also trying to just, you know, um, warn people uh, in, in a way that, you know, I'm just recommending only the things that I've used myself or, or that I know the provider of. And I'm sure that they will be satisfied. Well, I mean, so, that, that's a great service. 
Yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm just starting to provide. Uh, it, it was unofficial because people were coming to me and I wasn't really, you know, I didn't set up that yet. But um, now many people approach me um, for different trainings and coachings. Uh, so I'm consulting them for their books and um, different, I'm helping some to promote the books. They already self-published, but they're not selling well. Uh, so it depends. I mean, depending on um, what the person needs uh, me to help him with, we kind of, you know, he gets connected to me. We have a chat on Skype for a while and we just understand for each other whether we'll, we are the right match to work together, whether I can help with something or not. Because if it's something they, I mean, if someone comes to me and says, I want to sell a million copies of my book, of course, I will say, well, sorry, you should go to somewhere else because I can't help you. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but if there are things which I know and I can do and I can help I'm more than happy to do that no I think it's great um, um, and it's funny we have a lot of similarities we're both diplomatic kids uh, I'm, I just became an author you've been a best-selling author so um, I'm just gonna be following your footsteps in that and then uh, <laughs> new podcasters yours is two months mine at the time of this recording is three weeks uh, this will probably come out around the two month area but you know, uh, so you'll you'll have this honeymoon period of being in new and noteworthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just got out of there <laughs> a few uh, days ago <laughs> because you know they keep it for a certain period of time, and yes. and later on you're not new anymore, obviously. So you you get out for a while. <laughs> so. well, well, now now you what you what's hot? So that, that's the next step for you. So yeah, that's that's <laughs> the next challenge. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Ani. Um, uh, one before I leave, I just want you to give your eleven-year-old self a piece of advice, and then I'll close. Oh, well, <laughs> um, I guess it will be like three pieces of advice: believe in yourself, follow your passion, so you don't really waste your time in corporate for years. <laughs> <laughs> And just you know, help people. Help people. Yeah. Uh, follow your follow your passion. Don't waste your time in corporate. Help people. Okay. Uh, well, I follow your passion. So so you you just you jump there straight away, not you, just yeah. trying things which don't work for you, <laughs> but just go straight to what what does. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So where can we find you? Well, it's uh, you can find me on on the website www.annialexander.com. Annie is spelled A N I, and uh, all the social icons are there. So I'm pretty much I'm using mostly uh, Facebook and Twitter, but I'm also you know represented in other social media too. So from the website, you can just go and check all the profiles you're more interested at, <laughs> and basically that's where I am. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I particularly enjoyed the Armenia education part because um, <laughs> now I know a lot more about the, that region. Well, okay. Thanks a lot for <laughs> inviting me over. It was. I mean, usually I'm the one who's interviewing, so it, it's it's quite a nice experience. A big change. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm happy to help you out with that experience. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, I wish you um, success with your podcast and with uh, the um, big writing pieces you, you did over those days when you had this inspiration. <laughs> 
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.